everybody, I'm Dr. Deb, and welcome to another episode of PTSD and Beyond. Welcome to the PTSD and Beyond podcast, where we give you insights into post-traumatic stress, trauma recovery, healing, and beyond. I'm Dr. Deb Lind, and in each episode, I have a conversation with a guest who will stimulate your mind, touch your heart, and connect with your spirit, and also give you a greater understanding of yourself and others on this healing and recovery journey walked by so many of us before, wounded healers with lived experience and heroes. Hopefully, we'll also provide a glimpse into possibilities and purpose, hope, and inspiration. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. One last thing, guys, before we dive into today's episode, if you'd like an ad-free experience and like early access to new episodes and special events, I want to let you know you can join us at patreon.com. That is patreon.com forward slash PTSD and beyond. All right, let's do it. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Deb here with PTSD and Beyond. Today's guest is Dr. Marnie hill Federo. She's an award-winning and celebrated author, speaker, and educator. She earned her doctorate in education from Northern Illinois University and completed postdoc studies at Harvard University. After a very successful and rewarding career, a 35-year-long career as a high school special education teacher. She also has 12 years as a university adjunct graduate school professor. Now, Dr. Marnie's life was changed forever after experiencing numerous types of trauma. She is a five-star reader favorite in sharing her story. In 2022, she earned the Hollywood Book Festival runner-up and 2020 Best Books award-winning spiritual fiction of the fiction book, God Came to My Garage Sale. Now, this is actually really quite interesting because this book was favorited and endorsed by James Redfield, the best-selling author of The Celestine Prophecy. She has a five-book series entitled True Deceit, False Love. We're going to talk about these books in today's episode. She's a subject matter expert in addressing domestic violence, narcissistic abuse, parental alienation, and intergenerational family trauma. She's a lover of animals, nature, spirituality, and she values honesty, integrity, equality, and goodness. She prays for peace on earth and she is a promoter that love is the key to healing. Guys, let's give a heartfelt welcome and listen on to Dr. Marnie Hill-Federo at PTSD and beyond. All right, let's go. Hey guys, it's Dr. Deb here with PTSD and beyond. I got an amazing guest today as always, right? I mean, it just keeps growing and growing. And today we've got Dr. Marnie on today, and she's going to talk with us about her story, a bit about spiritual transformation and reconnecting with relationships. So Dr. Marnie, welcome to PTSD and beyond. Hey, thanks, Dr. Deb. I'm so glad to be here. Well, you know how we connected and about your book too, there's no such thing as coincidences. And so you're on a chapter right now in your life of reconnecting. We're on a path of reconnecting. And then here we are, and you've got the blue. We've got the blue. 
So you know what? I'm going to stop talking and just let you take over because this is an exciting episode. I can't wait to see what comes out of this. Well, I'll tell you, you know, for the longest time, I didn't realize that I was experiencing PTSD, you know, Um, but, you know, I was going along life living in the Midwest, Chicago suburbs. I I taught high school special ed for 35 years. Uh, 12 of those years, I was a university graduate school adjunct professor raising two beautiful kids in a beautiful house and a beautiful neighborhood and a beautiful town and the American dream, right? Yeah, pretty much the American dream, you know, the fairy tale life, Mm -hmm. but you know, um, didn't realize that, you know, I was ignoring a lot of red flags and, you know, at 27 years, I chose to file for divorce. Oh, wow. And, And, you know, a light bulb finally came on and I, it really uncovered, you know, so many things I was suppressing and ignoring, mm-hmm. you know, just getting busy in my life and just making excuses like, oh, you know, well, I was gaslit a lot. So I would say things like to myself, well, I didn't really see that or, you know, I didn't hear that or maybe I'm looking at this wrong or maybe he really didn't mean it this way or, you know, kind of taking on the responsibility of what an abuser does, right? you know, they kind of project, you know, what they do onto you. And, and, but at the same time, we as loving, empathetic human beings, we project our goodness onto other people. Like we, because we're honest, Mm -hmm. we're, we're compassionate, right? We have like the best interests of our children and, and our family and communities in mind, we kind of think that the people we surround ourselves with have those same values when really not everyone does. Not everyone is wired that way. Right. Do you think too, that sometimes abusers, they seek out people that are more empathetic because the main focus for a person who's empathetic is compassion, taking care of others, making sure that, you know, everything is done, whether it's clothing, you know, feeding, you know, nurturing that extension of kindness. And yes, that projection, especially, but do you think they actually seek out people that are more empathetic? Most, most definitely. In fact, you know, victims, especially when they move to survivor and thriver mode, you know, realize that they were targets. That's why they call us targets because Mm -hmm. We have like a big glaring sign that says, hey, you can use and abuse us and we'll still, you know, like the energizer binary, you know, keep on coming back and and thinking the best and, you know, we'll cover up their their lies and deceit and and, you know, just we kind of put up with a lot. I mean, it took me 27 years before. I finally said, oh my gosh, enough is enough. And I didn't even say that. I just, I basically escaped with my life um, because really a very dangerous time to leave someone who has malevolent intentions um, is really when you are thinking of leaving or when you actually leave. That's Mm. a really, really dangerous time because the abuse ramps up. And I saw that as well, even with physical assault and and threats and that type of thing. But the abuse... I'll tell you the and many of your listeners know this if they've been through any kind of, you know, unhealthy relationship with family, a coworker, a spouse, a best friend, mm. you know, type of thing. Um, you know, 
a lot of times the abuse really ramps up afterwards because they're so into um, public persona. Of oh, things. yeah. They wear this false mask. They want to look like an upstanding community member, you know, wealthy, you know, philanthropic, you know, whatever, when really they're anything but, you know, behind closed doors, that's not really their agenda, you mm -hmm. know, and and they're, they lead very secret lives, sometimes double and triple and even quadruple lives mm -hmm. while they're carrying on, you know, with you. And, 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 you know, in my case, oh gosh, there was just so much abuse to uncover, um, emotional, of course, then came the physical threats, then, um, sexual, which, you know, I never even imagined that there would be sexual abuse in a marriage, but there is. Yes. Um, and, and financial abuse, which oh, yeah. continues, continue. They don't, they obsess over money manipulation and they believe money is power and control. Even if they don't have it, they, they somehow obtain it. They steal, you know, they lie, cheat and steal. Yep. And so they, they're, they're equipped to, have this power over people. And thank goodness in my particular case, um, even though the abuser tried to get me to quit my job to go on disability, which I even said, what do you mean disability? Why would I go on disability? Because I have a broken ankle or something, you know, like, um, but now I know they want to try to isolate you mm -hmm. and, and get you to be dependent on them so that they have you hooked and, and you're you know, a prisoner in, yeah. in their life. So thank goodness I still kept my wonderful job as a teacher, even though that was, you know, I'm sure attempted to be threatened. Um, and I, I'm very lucky I did have my health. Although I, I will tell you in the middle of the marriage, um, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder, like fibromyalgia or something, I think it was called. And, and I'm, I'm thinking I'm a healthy person. Like what I, I have, I'm physically healthy. I'm emotionally healthy. I've, I've never been, you know, not that anything's wrong with it, but I've never been diagnosed with a, with a psychiatric psychological disorder or been on medications for that kind of thing. Um, you know, yeah, I would take Tums every now and then for heartburn, but I think that was a product of giving birth and something got messed up there. But um as soon as I left the abuser and I got to a place of safety and happiness and freedom, mm -hmm. even though it is a journey and PTSD is a huge part of this journey, um, I my health was restored 100%. So, so, you know, emotional stress can actually manifest itself in a physical way. Correct. to debilitate people. So, and yep. you know, these abusers want you debilitated. They, well, the, many of them just want you dead. And, and they, we read about it in the news all the time about, you know, a husband or a wife or a partner, you know, or a girlfriend or boyfriend or someone that they just met online will go to the extreme and take a person's life either Great. themselves or, or by proxy or kill the children or, you know, these are disturbed and dangerous individuals we're dealing with. And, and we are the, the targets. Mm -hmm. So yes, we are the targets. We are chosen, you know, in fact, so many people report that they were love bombed in the beginning of the relationship 
to put on a pedestal. You know, they somehow like everything that you like. It's like they're mirroring you to make you feel like, wow, I finally met someone. Right. Soulmate. When right. Really- they're just making it up as they go along. They they want to obtain your assets. They want to obtain, you know, your your narcissistic supply, whatever, you know, they 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 want um they have you in mind and they have you chosen. And many of them will even say, I knew I was gonna marry you the minute I saw you. <laughs> you know, and right. then you're thinking, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, back when you're really young, that's exciting. I know I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because the reality of, you know, and, and the reality is that when you're, when you're away from it, there's the cognitive ability to see, you know, clarity. (laughs) So you can reflect back on things and say, okay, that was a clear example of love bombing. You know, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, you're my soulmate. And oh my gosh, you're, you're, I've been, I've been looking for years to find you and you're, oh yes. Yes. And then, then, you know, they, they do, they all follow the same kind of playbook. It seems because you could be describing your relationship yet. There are hundreds of other people that are experiencing the exact same playbook. Right. You know, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance where, you know, you really feel like something's not right. You're not really sure, but then it gets smoothed over. And then they do a lot of intermittent reinforcement where, you know, there are some good times, you know, they might shower you with some gifts or even attention, you know, God forbid that you get attention from Mm -hmm. the person you're married to because their eyes are elsewhere. I mean, they're, they're really, you know, building up their harem closet, you know, men and women, it's, it's not a gender specific thing at all, but they, you know, you're just a play, you know, one, one conquest in, in their life of wanting to con, you know, right. Conquer. That is, that is so right. That is so true. There's definitely a mentality and mindset of the conquer mentality where it's, it's a challenge to get, And then they can say that I got, and then once they do, then they get bored and then they move on to something else. There might even be little cues of, um, the attempts to get you to get, be jealous. And if you look back and reflect on who was the other party that they wanted you to be jealous of, that's the upcoming supply. (laughs) Right. Well, there's a lot of triangulation that, and some of it I found out was just in his fantasies, you know, so, you know, to say, oh, you know, there are twins that are interested in me and, mm-hmm. and, you know, oh, this person from work and all that. And, and yes, you know, it was confirmed that, you know, there was a lot of unfaithfulness um, on, on his part, not mine. I mean, I never, I, I mean, I it just wouldn't even cross my mind. Mm. It, it wasn't, it's not in my, you know, thinking process, but, but even, so some are real and some are just in their fantasy, you know, yeah. that, but they love that triangulation and they will even triangulate you with your family members, your children, workers, the children. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, and, and I don't know how much you know about my story, but as soon as I filed for divorce and, and, you know, had this garage sale that was the spiritual awakening, which we'll get to. Um, but my 
I lost my two adult children to parental alienation. Mm -hmm. And this happens. It's unbelievable. I, I thought I would be the last person in the world, a very doting, loving mother, you know, trying to encourage independence in my kids and, and, you know, helping them feel good about themselves as opposed to the other parent who kind of pigeonholed them. Like you're going to have this career. You have to act this way. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the sport you need to play in. Um, this is the position in that sport you need to play in. This is the number that you need to wear on that jersey in wow. that position in that particular sport. Yeah. So, I mean, it can get pretty extreme. Um, and, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you go back and you really kind of uncover, you look at things a little bit more objectively, but it's a journey. And yeah. you know, part of the journey, Dr. Deb, I think is really doing some inner reflection work and, you know, um, and we're not the kind of people anyway that point the finger at other people and stay in victimhood or anything like that. Right. You know, it's the empathetic, loving, normal range people that try to figure out what happened and and try to put the pieces of the puzzle together and connect the dots. And we part of that is seeing our role in things. So we have to do a deep dive into our own biological family mm -hmm. Um and, and so many of us in midlife have realized that they were more abusive than we even acknowledged. Yeah. And, and so they set the patterns and, and, and foundation for us becoming overgivers, people pleasers, right. people with very weak boundaries. And so like, even, you know, I'm 61 now, even in midlife, I, I've had to put up some boundaries, even with family members and certainly with, with friends, so-called friends, because, you know, our values just don't align. And I realize, oh my God, the gaslighting that I experienced in my marriage, I experienced that as a kid, but I'm also experiencing that as an adult within this family unit. Mm -hmm. So we have to change. We have to make some changes um, in many ways. Um, although we don't change who we are as far as our loving values. And I believe just having that positive outlook of goodness and love, but just being a little bit more discerning about who you let in your life, who you keep in your life, you know, then you're on your way to your healing journey. And you can start dealing with the PTSD that that pops up, you know, periodically yeah. and the triggers that are there, you know, little by little, you, you they don't bother you as much because you're focused on um, positive things and you're fo you're not ignoring the negative. You have to acknowledge that what you went through. Right. Um, I found that writing really helped me, you know, address some of my own emotions because I could, I, it, even though it's a solitary activity writing, um, you know, you can write and rewrite and edit and just kind of, while you're doing all that, you're reliving a lot of what you've gone through positive and negative. Like with God came to my garage sale, that, that spiritual fiction that won many awards might even be a movie. 
Oh, I mean, wow. That's exciting. Very, very cool things oh, are happening. Wow. And, and I'm still doing book signings with that particular book. And it was endorsed by James Redfield, who wrote I The Spelling Prophecy. Yeah, that, yes. was, that was pretty cool because I had to go on a spiritual quest when I experienced some of these things, when I really should have been all those negative feelings, losing my house when really... Um, and that was just the beginning of the losses. I mean, I had no idea what I was in for, but I was just filled with love and happiness. And I think when you go through trauma, it kind of triggers you to be a more aware of signs and synchronicities, that there are no coincidences, that right. you know, things are meant to be. People cross your path, situations cross your path, you know, at ideal times on your journey to help you move forward. Let's talk a little bit about that. I want to I want our listeners to understand the the path because one of the common questions that people will ask is they they want to know, you know, how well, they want to know a couple of things. One is what is the path? So what was your path? And then at the same time then they reflect inward and think, okay, so where am I at on my path? Some people even say I don't even know if I'm on a path. Right, and then right. with their peer support then the light bulb clicks on, oh, you know what? I actually am on a path. So what was like that light bulb moment that said, hey, you know what? One, I this is not, this is this isn't happening anymore. And then secondly, meaning the relationship, right? And so then secondly, when did that spiritual awareness of exactly what you're talking about, those synchronicities that I mean, even today I'm driving the car. I had a, I went to, I had a doctor's appointment. I wasn't even thinking about anything, not anything in particular. And I look at a license plate. I kid you not. It was my my dad's initials right. along with the original Detroit area code, which is 313. <laughs> I started laughing. I did. I was like, okay, that's definitely a sign. It is. And actually one of my signs, you know, I'll get back to your question, but one of the signs that I experienced, and I write about it in the book, even though it's a fictional book, it's all inspired by true experiences that I had, you know, I've just changed some names and places and, you know, that type of thing. But I had a license plate experience where, you know, um, I, so I totally get it, what you're saying, you saw your dad's initials and, and, you know, the original, you know, area code and that kind of thing. Um, I actually went when I was just so wanting to be pregnant with my second child, um, I had tried everything else. And I thought, I'll try prayer now, you know, when really, should have been the other way around. I should have started with prayer, but I didn't, you know, and with an atheist background, that wasn't just natural for me to just go to that right away. But I decided one morning to really pray to St. Gerard, uh, the patron mother of saints. I really wanted to be pregnant, you know, and I, 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 you know, just nothing was working out. And, you know, when, when your biological clock is ticking and you, you want that, I mean, you, you know, there is something to that. I was but an older I, mom too. So I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, but I, I was, you know, that morning driving, you know, no one was out, you know, there weren't cars out and I was driving behind a little strip mall by our home. Normally I would go around, you know, the, the front entrance way. And I don't quite remember where I was going, whether it was 
you know, to Walgreens to get yet another pregnancy test or whether I was going to Panera Bread for a coffee or I don't quite remember what I was doing, but there was no one there. And I'm I'm in the back roads behind a, a strip mall and all of a sudden and a speeding red Corvette um, cut me off. And actually in the book, I describe it as the yellow Corvette because I had a chapter on red cardinals. And so mm-hmm. I... I changed the color, but it was a red Corvette that cut me off so fast that I slammed on the brakes. Um, there, there's, there's no way I wouldn't have hit it. It's just so bizarre that I didn't. But everything happened in slow motion. Wow! Just all my experiences, and I could see the license plate of the red Corvette just very slow. Gerard, that was the. <laughs> This, that was the patron saint I was oh praying gosh. to. And, and then it left and it was just kind of an otherworldly experience. Like all of my experiences, you know, just time stand still, slow motion, that kind of thing. And that very same day I found out I was pregnant. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was, you know, but to get back to your question about what was my light bulb moment, actually, it was just an everyday you know, get together with uh, my then husband and one of our adult children, just going out to the local pizzeria and, you know, didn't, didn't really, you know, expect anything. Didn't think my life would change dramatically that day, but it did. And, and, you know, there were some confessions made and some comments made that led me to really understand that I had ignored years of red flags and it involved money and stealing, you know, one of the children's money, you know, from their bank account, like, you know, $12,000. Um, and basically just announcing, you know, I, I needed to go into your bank account and take your money because our family needs the money. And I, I think, well, maybe it wasn't our family that needed the money, but, you know, it was just shocking to me. And, wow. and for someone who normally can talk things out or ask questions, I just, I, I went radio silent. And, and even the adult child was kind of like, okay, you know, I don't really understand, but if you needed that money, okay, whatever. We we didn't really, we were taken off guard. And I think it was an unintentional confession. I don't think that that was actually planned out because if he had planned it out, he might've realized that would have been the straw that would break the camel's back. However, so many things, I just whoop, let it go over my head, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh yeah, that woman, that beautiful woman from work is showing up at our house, you know, even though your work is hours away and, and just as I'm leaving with the kids and, you know, I mean, I would just be like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird, but right. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I just really, you know, with money manipulations and, and just all sorts of things. I, I, so many times I was left like, God, that's weird, but okay, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess, you know, there's no reason for me to think that there's dishonesty. And, and actually my five book series, which is soon to be a six, six book series is called true deceit, false love, because really we are wanting true love. But what we're getting is really true deceit and the love is false. So that was my light bulb moment that just um, and actually followed by the next day or day after a physical threat. Um, 
and even a, a verbal threat of, uh, well, a physical assault, a verbal threat. Um, don't you dare divorce me or I'll, I'll take your house, your money and your children. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, even then, who says something like that? Right. Like, who says, don't you dare divorce me? Like you, you know, first of all, I never even mentioned divorce, but it was kind of like that night at the pizza place, you know, just prior, he knew that I knew. Right. And I think that, that the gig was up mm-hmm. and he just, you know, was probably waiting to see if I would actually act on it. Right. When and they so, know, you know, yeah. then that is a dangerous time because very then, dangerous. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so then, you know, that solidified my choice to file for divorce and started that whole terrible journey, you know, because they, the abusers love the courtroom. They love the power, the, control, the drama, the drama. They love the drama. They love being completely dishonest on paperwork and getting away with it. Yeah. I mean, they feel like they win. They, these are very competitive people anyway. Very competitive. They want to win even with their, you know, high school friends or whatever. They, there's just this competition that they need to try to, you know, pull one over on someone and just, they love that. They love challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyway, that, that was the, that was, you know, the progression of things. Um, and, and it was, and it wasn't, it still is a journey, you know, it still is a journey. That is a question that comes up. We just did a poll on Twitter about what, what do people wish to happen on, you know, the trauma healing journey and the, the same theme popped up, which was, you know, is this continuous? Will life get better? How does life get better? And right. is this really continuous? And one of the things that it might sound strange to a person who is just a newly listener, you have to go back and listen to some of the podcast episodes for the person yeah. who is listening. And thank you so much for being here with us today, is that I'm glad that the journey is forever because my life matters that much. See, when the journey doesn't, when people are like, well, I just want it to be a six to eight week thing, or I've done this for four weeks and I'm not seeing, you know what? Your life is continuous. And even after we pass on, there's a legacy that we leave behind, which is our friends, our children, our family members, the people that we touch. I was out um, having coffee this week in an open atrium outside and it was with a, a colleague I haven't seen, you know, since the pandemic. And so this was the first time that we were getting together for coffee. And, you know, there are a bunch of people. It's in the city. So there's people walking around with their dogs. And I, I remember just thinking to myself, wow, there's a lot of dogs here. I should come here with Max. And the next thing I saw was this flock of pigeons in the air. And a woman was down. And I grabbed my bag and I ran over to her and didn't even think about you know, like what, you know, what, what, what's next, right? I mean, you immediately know, especially when you've done first aid training. And, and I say that because that woman, there were all these people around and here's this, this, this woman. And she actually said, thank you for being one of the good ones in the world. And I said to her, I have a feeling that if it was me, you would be doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and it's another reason why we share stories like yourself, because it's so inspiring. And, and what I mean by that is there, 
of all the people that we have coming on our show, I mean, we really do have amazing guests. We've got people with lived experience, people that are researchers, practitioners, other doctors like yourself that are, you know, I call them lived experience practitioners, like the well, I'm not healer. a medical doctor. I'm an education doctor. Right. I'm an education yeah. doctor too. Oh, okay, we, okay. So we, we have the the wonderful mix of, of yeah. folks that yeah. have, you know, the practice as well as the lived experience. And there might be somebody who's listening to your story right now who's saying, okay, I've listened to PTSD and beyond. I've gotten up to, you know, 95 episodes and <laughs> this is the one. Right. Speaking to me. So let's Well, I'm an everyday person that has experienced (laughs) some horrific, you know, things and, you know, just have handled them following my gut intuition. You know, gosh, if I would have been able to have an exit plan or be able to have, you know, known what I was in for, I could have been a little bit better prepared. I might not have lost you know, everything, my home, my money, my, even my friends and neighbors and family to a smear campaign. And and then of course the loss of my adult children, which is just, you know, devastating, devastating, mind blowing, but yeah, there are good people in the world. And that's something that we need to remember. You were originally, when we first started talking, you said you wanted to connect it to relationships, you know, and how do you carry on in relationships? Because, you know, once you've been so badly burned by not only a spouse, but people that were in your life that you thought had your back, but really were betraying you behind your back and lying to you, deceiving you, uh, contributing to the abuse and the alienation. And, and that's that can even be harder than making the decision to divorce because, you know, sometimes you think some of these friends you've had for years that, you you know, you think, well, I know that they lie to other people, but they would never lie to me. And then you find that they really have lied to you. And, yeah. and when your value that you hold dearest is honesty. And that's mine. You know, that's like a, a game changer for me. You know, it wasn't always though, obviously, obviously I put up with, you know, um, dishonest people and dishonest situations, but you know, when it comes to relationships, first of all, I think in, in my heart of hearts, I just believe in love and goodness and that there are kind people out there. I know I am, so I know there are others. But also, we have to learn to put up some healthier boundaries. Like, you know, learn the red flags, do a little research, look into what are some of the behaviors or actions that are part of that playbook that are pretty common. And, and you know, um, it can be any gender, any, any age, any role, whatever they're in, you're able to pick it, you know, pick up on it a little bit better after you've learned about it. Right. And after you've experienced it, you're a little bit more attuned to that. I mean, a lot of people though, do go from one narcissist to another narcissist, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they, you know, leave that situation and jump right back into another frying pan, you know, um, and that's because they haven't really done the work to right. really, you know, figure out what they have gone through and our voices matter. So just like you're saying, these conversations, just everyday kind of people having a conversation, sharing, you know, their experiences that could really 
provide validation for someone else that might be like, well, gosh, if they could do it, maybe I can take at least step in the right direction to get myself safer and happier. Yep. If these, what, what I find too, is that what we're talking about speaks to somebody It makes sense. It calls to them. And some people's self-confidence and self-esteem is so depleted that when they hear something like this, they start doubting and saying, well, I don't know. But the more and more that they listen, then they say, you know what? I bet you I can do it too. It gives them hope. It gives them hope. And it actually, I, I personally believe, reconnects with their inner spirit, what they've always had. And then that flame is lit. And then they too say, okay, enough is enough. And they become then, you know, on the healing path and then the journey and then also share their story at some point, which is really amazing. Right. Right. I mean, you get towards, you know, first you're in survival mode. It's almost like Maslow's hierarchy. (laughs) Right. Where, you know, you're you're in your basic safety needs in the beginning. I mean, seriously, when you're homeless, you don't know where your next meal is going to be. You don't know how you're going to get to work, Um, you know, where you're going to sleep. I mean, you you're dealing with your basic safety needs. And then if you have children, you know, you're, you're scared to death for them that they are going to be abused too. And, and, and you want to try to protect them at all costs, you know, of, of, you know, so you go through that whole triangle pyramid up to self-actualization, which, you know, I believe that I've kind of surpassed that because, you know, I've done a lot of the work and I've, made some good, healthy choices for myself. I removed myself. I mean, even physically, I moved from a lifetime in the Chicago suburbs to the Caribbean, you know, big, big, you know, um, locale change. Mm -hmm. But that was exciting for me to be more connected with nature. And I feel more connected with spirituality and my own inner spirituality, my own inner self. It's beautiful. And, and, And that has really been very good. But the next level is actually giving service to other people, whether mm. it's through a podcast, through an interview, um, through a book, right. you know, through contributing a magazine article or speaking on something. Um, you know, that's kind of the next level where you know you're you're really evolving in a very positive way because you know you you are really trying to have the conversations to to open the eyes of others. You can't control what other people do or think, but you can at least, you know, worry about yourself and share your experiences and they might resonate with someone. And then at some point, and I'm kind of getting to this point, I'm kind of winding up my podcast interviews because, you know, I've had this five book series, True Deceit, False Love. I've got a sixth book, not totally sure exactly. It might address financial abuse. It might address memories. You know, it might address PTSD. I've got a lot of different ways that this sixth book can go, but I'm not even pressured to work on it right now. I'll be, I've worked on it a lot, but I, that'll be in the next year. But I'm already moving towards thinking, what are some other things I'd like to do, especially now that I'm in the Caribbean where I'm at? You know, I didn't plan on, you know, being interviewed on so many different podcasts. It just seems like there was a need to have these conversations. and, And my story seemed to be, you know, something that 
people found value in that, you know, to, and, and actually it turned out to be extremely healing for me, but I kind of feel like I'm, I'm already kind of moving to another phase, like realizing, okay, I have losses in my life. You know, I don't have my adult children in my life. Um, I look at the glass half full. I did have one child in my life for 20 years and one for 30 years. That's more than a lot of people have. So I'm, I'm, thrilled about that. And I know I've given a foundation and, and I'm even still with my books and my speaking, I'm role model and I'm continuing to be the loving mom. I always was in trying to show by my actions that, you know, there is adversity in life. There are Mm -hmm. challenges. You might, you know, your adversity might look different than mine. You know, people might lose a job. They might have a health issue, you know, um, their car could break down, they could get robbed, they could be in a flood, you know, there's all sorts of adversity, but we have the power within ourselves and within our spirit to choose how we respond to these kind of challenges. And I respond with love. It's all about love. Love is the highest vibration. I'm going to put out in the world, you know, just my authentic self and my authentic beliefs. And, and I think that the people that live in negativity in victimhood in in um, not taking ownership or, or those that are actually intentionally trying to harm other people, mm-hmm. you know, what a, what an awful life sentence they have. And they have the power to change that if they want. And so many don't want to, right. they want to keep that chaos and that, that cycle of abuse going. And, you know, at some point you can just pity them, you know, and, and, or pray for them or, you know, pray in general for humanity, for, for goodness to prevail. Right. Exactly. My gosh, thank you so much. That was an absolutely incredible way to segue into the next, which is three last tidbits for our listeners as we wrap up here. I mean, this is absolutely a fantastic conversation. I can't wait for your next book to come out, reconnect with us, and we'll make sure that we update our summary bio and then we'll push that out. So listeners too that have um, stayed with us till this point, you know what, go ahead and, and make sure that you click on Dr. Marnie's information and all her other work. And again, what are just three last quick tidbits you want to share with our listeners for today? Well, I would say that we have the power within us to manifest the life that we want to have and how we want to live. So we have it within ourselves. Give yourself credit. You know, don't constantly look for external validation or external means to get you to where you want to go. You have the power within you, you know. Um, So... And that's an age old kind of thing. I mean, even the Wizard of Oz, you know, she had the power to go home, you know, right all the time within her. She just wasn't at the point to to follow through on it. The next point would be we all have adversities in our lives. You know, there will be challenges. We've had challenges and there'll be future challenges. Handle them with love and, and step back and and. The third would be really to do some inner work, some self-reflection, find your role in some of the relationship dynamics, make some choices for yourself. You might have to start putting up some healthier boundaries. You might have to use that word no and say, no, 
I'm sorry, that's not going to work for me, mm-hmm. or I don't resonate with that. And that's very hard to do. And sometimes if you don't have the courage to be that confrontational or honest, sometimes no closure is closure. Sometimes just stepping back away from something that you know doesn't serve you, uh, whether it's a relationship or a situation or whatever, sometimes you don't need to have that kind of traditional type of closure where you both come to an understanding of where you are at. You know, sometimes there's no talking with some people and and they're going to have their perception and and they're going to respond or react in a way they're going to react. You can't control that. So, so you know, those would be the things I would kind of leave your audience with and, and just say, you know, gosh, you found Dr. Deb. So you're already <laughs> on the... You're already on the path to your healing, to your self-actualization, you know, because these and they are, found you. Well, these are great conversations to have just in general. And I know you have a variety of topics, a variety of guests, but they all come down to, you know, self-reflecting, taking ownership in things, understanding, doing the work, the research and making the choices right. to live the best life you possibly can live. Exactly. That's what we call about go beyond. Yeah. That's why it's yeah. called PTSD and beyond and beyond yeah. is that next phase for people in life. Dr. Marnie, thank you so much for being with us today. This was a so welcome. Thank you for having me and taking the time to see, you know, that I had value to add to your amazing podcast. So thank Thank you you so much. Thank you guys. This is Dr. Dad with PTSD and beyond. Remember episodes drop every Friday and we'll see each other again next week.